Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to episode number 72 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and what a week I have just had. Uh, if you've been following me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, then uh, you'll have seen the pictures that I posted of the places that I visited last week. Um, however, basically, I'm just here this week to, to tell you near enough everything that I can remember that happened over the last week on my first training trip back as a tour guide. So please join me for episode number 72 of the Scottish History Podcast. So yeah, folks, uh, last week was my first day back or my first week back as a tour guide here in Bonnie, Scotland, as they say. And yeah, it was also my birthday uh, on Monday as well. So basically, I started my brand new job on my birthday. Um, it was an absolute pleasure uh, starting out the day, uh, meeting up with my uh, new fellow colleagues and, uh, and of course, um, some uh, some of the guys that I've, I've met over the course of uh, either doing this podcast, Doogie, um, he listens to this podcast, and uh, and Rich, who I, I knew from when I was previously a tour guide anyway. Um, so like I said, folks, I have been posting the pictures, or, or I was posting the pictures whilst I was away, uh, of the journey in which we had. Uh, there were some occasions, uh, and unfortunately one of probably the most amazing uh, occasion where I stupidly left my phone in the bus, um, and that was at a particular place I was just utterly blown away by, and thank you very much to those of you who have sent me images, I, I did request an image of, um, this was at Smoo Cave, um, but I did, I did request a, a, a couple of images, um, so uh, people have sent them in, and what I will do is I will post them up, just to show you how amazing that place was, um, but basically what I thought I would do is I'd kind of take you on a day-to-day um, description of, of basically how the week went, and uh, maybe a, in a way it's also a, a little lesson 
And the lesson to be learned is uh, do not try to go to Orkney and the Outer Hebridean Islands during the winter uh, is basically the best thing that I can say. Um, and uh, you'll, you'll hopefully understand why as I go uh, basically through this day. So we basically started off bright and early. Uh, well, I say bright and early. It was still dark when we started uh, at uh, 7 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, and it was uh, a little bit cold, you know, to kind of standard fare for Edinburgh at this time of year. And uh, we all sort of met up with each other, went through kind of what what the week, because uh, this was for six days that we were going to be away. So basically what the next week was going to entail and getting ourselves all packed up onto the bus and ready to leave. Um, the usual route took us out of Edinburgh across the Forth Road Bridge. Um, because we are a bus, we were allowed to drive across the Forth Road Bridge rather than the Queen's Ferry Crossing, uh, which to me is is, is the best way um, because it's quiet. Uh, but also you can see both the Forth Bridge off to your right and the, uh, the new Queen's Ferry Crossing off to your left. If you use the Queen's Ferry Crossing, you can't see a bloody thing. Um, so uh, heading north, you're coming through the Kingdom of Fife up to uh, Perth, and then from Perth onwards, we went to uh, Pitlochry. Uh, we kind of had a, a wee uh, stop there for uh, coffee, tea, and of course a uh, much-needed bathroom break by that particular point. You know, you're about two hours into the journey at that point. And then we headed north, uh, heading, of course, towards Inverness. Uh, now, on I must say, on day number one, uh, we were basically racing to catch a ferry. Uh, we were getting the last ferry across to Orkney on the first day. So uh, if you think, if you have a little look at a map, um, you know, it's a, it's a good few hundred miles uh, to get to where we ended up on just the first day. Uh, so yeah, we headed up towards Inverness, uh, across the Keswick Bridge and in finally to the Black Isle. Uh, there we went through um, the villages of uh, Golspie, so we, we saw a little bit of Dunrobin Castle. Uh, it's all closed up at this time of year, but you know, we had a, a good look outside and uh, headed through Brora and eventually to Helmsdale. Um, so this is kind of where I'll start kind of telling you. These were mostly where the attractions that we visited uh, kind of start appearing. So the first thing that we visited at Helmsdale was, of course, uh, as I've mentioned in a previous podcast, the Emigrants statue. Now, the Emigrants statue is um, is also copied throughout the, throughout the, the world. Well, in uh, America, Canada, Australia and New Zealand, they all have their own version of the emigrants statue so there are five copies of this statue around the world uh, unfortunately uh, this time of year they, they, they seem to have taken down the flags that, that are there in Helmsdale so at the memorial they do have flags uh, so one for each country so they've got one for Scotland America Canada Australia and New Zealand usually flying uh, however, not on this particular occasion. So we stopped there, um, of course, to have a, a look and take some snaps of the emigrants statue at Helmsdale. Uh, we then headed uh, further north, of course, uh, stopped at a nice little bay for a, for a little photograph. But unfortunately, I can't remember the name of the bay. I could look it up, but I'm too tired <laughs> at this moment in time. So, so yeah, um, so stopped at a nice little bay, just kind of an, an old fishing uh, kind of village bay. 
And then we went to a place I'd never even heard of before, and this was uh, Walago Steps uh, at Walago Haven. So Walago um, it means um, something to do with whales. Um, unfortunately, I didn't write notes on this, um, and uh, I'm really kind of putting this together quite quickly. So I will go more into these sorts of things in other podcasts. Um, but basically, the Walago Steps, I was so impressive with, with Walago Haven. Um, beautiful, beautiful um setting. So we jump off the bus and we're met by a man called Davy. Now Davy comes out of his house, uh, but his front door is just wide open all the time. I think he's waiting for, for tourists uh, like her, essentially like ourselves at that time, to come along and he brings out this amazing uh, photograph that he, he, he claims he's shown this photograph to hundreds of thousands of visitors, or certainly tens of thousands of visitors uh, to the area. And he shows them a picture as to what Walago Haven used to look like uh, with the old steps. So basically what Davy explains to you is uh, what Walago Haven was all about. So it was for, it was a harbour uh, and, and, and again it's absolutely remarkable, it's, it's so stunning. Uh, that was used for herring fishing. Um, so all of the herring used to get brought into this little harbour. Now the steps, uh, there are, um, depending on who you talk to or which source you read will depend on uh, how many it says. Um, so the lowest number which I can find is 330 steps. Um, however, most people will say 365 steps. And that is of course one for every day of the year. But that's not that's in total going down. You then need to climb back up the three hundred odd steps. Now I'm not going to lie; I am not the fittest man in the world. Never really have been, um, and I was really, really struggling to get back up those steps. Um, so yeah. Um, but if you're ever in the area doing the North Coast Five Hundred, for example, we kind of stayed on the North Coast Five Hundred for a little bit. Um, it's a definite, definite uh, visit. So if you want to have a little look at it, uh, W-H-A-L-I-G-O-E uh, for Walago. So just type in Walago Steps or Walago Haven and you'll find that there. It's about seven miles or so outside of the village of Wick. We then, of course, headed into Wick, looking at and, and passing by the world's shortest street, Ebenezer Place, which I'm sure, again, that I've mentioned on the podcast before. And then we headed out to a place called Castle Sinclair Gurnigo. Uh, now, again, this is just outside of Wick. The, the sun was starting to go down. It's the other side of Wick International Airport, believe it or not. Uh, and it was, of course, the home of the Sinclairs, hence the name. Uh, so the Sinclairs were quite a big family up there in Caithness. Uh, they were actually Earls of Caithness and uh, at one point the Earls of Orkney also castle uh, dates from roughly the 15th century and is set right on the sea cliffs again utterly utterly gorgeous setting uh, just as the sun was going down the wind was well winding and the rain was raining and uh, so yeah we basically headed back to the bus and then onwards to Gills Bay to catch the magnificent brand new ship that I'd not been on before the MV Alfred uh, I was used to the MV Pentalina, so Pentland Ferries there. We jumped on at Gills Bay and arrived at St. Margaret's Hope on the Isle of South 
or the island of South Ronaldsey in Orkney. Um, by that point, as I say, it is pitch black. Couldn't see a single thing. Could definitely feel that the wind was there um, as we came into Kirkwall, where we were going to be based for the next couple of nights. Uh, Kirkwall, one of my favourite little towns or um, cities, I suppose. It's kind of the capital uh, or one of the twinned capitals of Orkney with Stromness as well. Uh, but anyway, yes, onwards onto Orkney, uh, where we went to our hostel, which was called the Arcades Hostel, and had a wonderful chilli for dinner. A couple of beers, of course, as well, being my birthday. Uh, day number two started off uh, with a little walk down into the centre of Kirkwall. Uh, we had a little look around uh, the outside of St Magnus Cathedral. We returned later on in the day to have a look inside. Uh, and of course the Earls and Bishops Palaces, which are right across the road. Um, again, Kirkwall kind of buzzing at that time in the morning. Everyone looking to get their cup of coffee before starting work. From there, we headed on to the, again mentioned in the podcast many times before, the famous Italian chapel, uh, looking ever so stunning as it always does and uh, having a right good look inside, no other tourists there, you know, so it was just ourselves, absolutely beautiful. Of course, the Churchill barriers and Scapa flow right next to us as well. We then headed to a place called the Broch of Bursi. Um, I don't think I've mentioned that place uh, in the podcast before, but it is a magnificent place. Uh, So the Broch of Bursi is, so this Broch is spelt differently to another Broch, which I'm going to be talking about in a future episode. I'm trying to get to someone from the Keith Ness Broch project to come on. So that Broch, which is a kind of tower house, is spelt B-R-O-C-H. Um, this is not the type of broch that I'm talking about. It seems to be an island, which is spelled B-R-O-U-G-H. So the broch of Bursi, where over there you had an old Viking settlement and, of course, a famous Stevenson lighthouse. You can only access this little island, however, via a causeway if the tide is out. Fortunately for us at that time, the tide was in. And even if, I believe the tide was out, we probably wouldn't have went over anyway due to the size of the waves that were crashing onto the cliffside. Um, it was crazy. Um, so we left there and headed to Marrick Head, again a place that I'd seen from a distance but had never visited before. And that is where the Lord Kitchener Memorial is. Lord Kitchener, famous for being the man on the World War One posters, uh, recruitment posters with his big moustache, uh, you know, we want you to join the army kind of thing. Uh, well, he was killed, he was on a, a boat called HMS Hampshire that ran into a landmine when he was making his way, uh, sorry, not a landmine, a sea mine, that was when he was making his way across to Russia, um, blew up, and uh, there was, I think there was only 12 survivors from about 600 people on the ship. Uh, again, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I talked about that uh, in the Orkney episodes before, uh, but that was uh, again quite the walk, walking uh, about half a mile uphill with the wind straight at us. The downhill was much easier, um, and uh, yet yeah, then precariously walking across the cliffs uh, to get to this amazing memorial that stood there, but uh, absolutely stunning regardless. 
We then headed, of course, to the famous village of Scarabray. You can't visit Orkney without going to Scarabray, so we headed over to Scarabray and uh, had a look around the village. Now, I'm not going to lie, um, for some reason, Scarabray seemed a lot smaller, um, kind of, you know, after not being there for, for quite a while. Um, but regardless, again, just amazing as it always is. And we talked to this uh, wonderful kind of custodian guy um, who told us a little bit more about it and stuff that even uh, was was very good for me to learn. And uh, again, I look forward so much to going back there and speaking to these guys and learning more about this very important site. So from Scarabri, we then headed to Yesnaby Cliffs, uh, where we had the Yesnaby Sea Stacks. Uh, again, the wind was really starting to pick up. It was pouring down with rain, and uh, there was actually a little burn uh, or a little stream that we had to cross over, uh, where normally that little stream runs across over the over the side of the cliff. But it was that windy that the wind was actually blowing the stream back over. Uh, the cliff uh, and I do have I'm pretty sure I have a video of that um, if not I know for a fact one of my colleagues took a video of it so if you want to see that I'm sure I can post that up on the Facebook uh, but yes uh, absolutely gorgeous again the wind was howling and uh, a big long walk I'm pretty sure one of my colleagues took a uh, took a little slide uh, along on their rear end at some point um, but uh, just a good good laugh uh, and then we headed across to the ring of Brodgar, again, a place that you cannot miss, then past the Ness of Brodgar, and finally to the Stones of Stennis to finish off our day. Now, we did end up in Stromness as well. It's the first time I've ever been to Stromness, went to a nice little bakery there, um, but it was kind of just a, a lunch bathroom stop that we were there for, so I didn't really get a chance to explore half as much as I usually would. So on day number three, we get the first ferry off of the Orkney Islands, uh, which I think is about seven o'clock sailing. So, you know, up at five, uh, onto the bus by half past, uh, and then to the ferry terminal for 6 a.m. Um, headed across on the early ferry, at which point we're really starting to watch the um, the ferries for heading across to... Um, Stornoway, uh, which was where we were going to be uh, ending our third day. But as the day kind of wore on, we realised that that ferry was going to be cancelled. Um, so when we realised that that ferry was going to be cancelled, what we decided to do instead was to, is to actually head across part of the North Coast 500, seeing in some things that I'll tell you about in a minute, but head to Loch Ness, uh, where the company I now work for have a hostel there. Um, so we instead started heading towards that direction because, well, we were never going to get to Stornoway on that particular day. So the things that we managed to take in there was Duncan's Behead Sea Stacks. Once again, things I've seen photographs of but never seen in person. So that again was great uh, on the most northerly part of mainland Britain. Then across, of course, to John O'Groats. You can't be up that high and not go and take your picture by the John O'Groats sign. Um, and then, of course, uh, round about that time we found out the ferry was cancelled. So we drove the North Coast 500 and went to this amazing place called Smoo Cave. 
Um, I cannot explain it in words. Um, if you're ever up that way doing the North Coast 500, you have to do Smooth Cave. You have to go. It's not a long, grueling walk by any means. I was expecting another, um, you know, 40 odd minute hike up and down. But this was very easy, especially on my feet by this point and my knees and my back, actually. Um, but this place is stunning. It was the best way I can explain it was like something out of a video game. It did not look real um, or certainly something that I may have seen in a video game in the past. But it was oh, just beautiful. And then onwards to Cory Shalach Gorge, uh, which is, um, yeah, I didn't get very far across the, 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 the little bridge across the gorge. Only six people are allowed on this bridge to cross over the other side of the gorge. Um, it is insanely, insanely steep. Now, I'm not a big fan. Uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not scared of heights as such. I'm just scared of falling. Um, so that's, I didn't get very far on this kind of rickety little bridge. Um, but the waterfalls here were just absolutely gorgeous, considering the fact that it had done nothing but rain uh, since about Monday afternoon. Uh, and then, as I said, we basically were gunning it for Fort Augustus on the banks of Loch Ness, where we had, uh, without question, a wonderful dinner of uh, haggis, uh, or chicken balmoral, so they call it chagas up there at the hostel. It was gorgeous, one of the best um, chicken balmorals I've ever had, and a very, very, very good night's sleep after, again, a couple of beers. Day four uh, was pretty much a lot of travelling, so day four was kind of uh, not as exciting as you would think um, because we needed, of course, to travel uh, basically where we were already at Ullapool to get the ferry across to Stornoway. We had to head two hours back down the way, um, so again, we had to get up early, get in the bus, ferry across to Stornoway is on, so we're racing up there to, you know, make it to Ullapool to check in. <laughs> to make it to Ullapool to check in for the ferry. So we get there. Uh, the ferry crossing is about two and a half hours across there. Um, I can't remember what time we sailed, however. Um, must have been around about 9, uh, 9.30 or so. Um, pretty sure we arrived about one o'clock into Stornoway. Took a little drive around the town to kind of get our bearings. And then we drove out towards Harris, where we went to the Marig. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, viewpoint, we stopped there just for um, a little stretch of the legs and see this beautiful, beautiful sight. Onwards to Tarbert, uh, just again, as, as guides, you kind of need to have a look around. So we needed to see the Tarbert ferry port, uh, where you can get the ferry across to the Isle of Skye. Uh, but then we had to go, of course, to the white sand beach of Luskintyre. Um Gorgeous, absolutely beautiful, and and uh, although again windy, not necessarily cold at that point, and the rain stopped just long enough to it, it let us enjoy a good hour and a half, couple of hours at Luskintyre Beach. We then headed back to Stornoway for the night. Again, it had been a uh, sort of long day of travelling and driving around, and we went for a beautiful Thai meal, um, and then of course had a few drinks. Maybe a little bit too much. Um, so yeah, yeah. But uh, a good night all round. Then on day number five, we wake up in our uh, hostel once again in Stornoway and we head to the Callanish Standing Stones, one of the windiest 
experiences I've ever had. Again, there's a video of me um, where I sort of did a kind of selfie video um, at the Callanish Standing Stones, and uh, at that point I was I, I was like a machine gunner the way I was standing one fruit. Um, miles in front of the other just to try and stand up straight uh, near enough as soon as I cut off the video I slipped and fell um, I say I slipped I'm blaming the wind I think the wind actually blew me over um, and you know again I'm quite a heavy guy uh, so that was quite impressive but the Callanish Standing Stones again absolutely beautiful I, I've got to admit I didn't get much of a chance really to appreciate them as much as I would just purely because the the wind was just insane. We then headed to Duncarloway Broch. Uh, so that's B-R-O-C-H. Uh, one of the best preserved brochs on mainland Scotland. And again, a place that I'd always wanted to go and see. Um, covered in scaffolding at this moment in time. Has been for, for a few years, of course. You know, pre preservation, etc. Um, so, that, you know, that doesn't bother me. I like to see the fact that they are actually... Um, trying to make sure that these things do not fall over or uh, get ruined. Um, however, I did share a post yesterday about Historic Environment Scotland, who do also, I believe, look after Duncarloway Broch. So, um, yeah, I'm not particularly happy about what I'm reading from them at the moment. But regardless, uh, uh, you know, um, it was just amazing to see one of the best preserved brochs in Scotland. Uh, we then went down to a beach um, to have a little look at the waves because the waves were insanely high and we are going to be travelling back, um, you know, on the ferry. Uh, well, we were hoping to travel on the ferry uh, on that day, but uh, eventually it, it was cancelled. Uh, we then headed, of course, to the Black Houses, where you, you have to go down and see the Black Houses, where, again, the sea in the background was just insane. We then went to see a man called Ian Martin, who is an independent Harris Tweed weaver, um, and see him, how he makes his Harris Tweed. It was I, again, just amazing. So, so sorry. This day is spent on Lewis. Uh, so Lewis and Harris are actually the same island, but only split with mountains. Um, so they're not actually two separate islands. You don't cross any water to get to them. Um, so Ian Martin, he actually makes uh, his Harris tweed in Lewis. Um, but again, I will talk about Harris Tweed at an, on another date and I'll explain where the name comes from. Um, but he was amazing, invited us essentially into his home where he um, makes his uh, Harris Tweed and learning more about it. It was just, again, fabulous. Um, so shout out to Ian if you are listening. And the, then it was back to Stornoway once again, having a another meal out, uh, no drinking on this particular night, some of us were maybe a wee bit tender from the night before, and then day six, this is when we find out that the ferry is going, but it's been delayed by about three and a half hours, so instead of uh, sailing at 12.30, we're going to be sailing at four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, so it's again looking like another ridiculously long day for us. So we started off the day by just heading up to Lewes Castle, just a nice little wander up 
to lose Castle in Stornoway, where I got to see firsthand uh, that I can certainly remember, unless I had seen them in Edinburgh and completely forgot about it, to see the Lewis Chessmen. Um, now, I do apologise, there was somebody did send me a message a few days ago, uh, or a comment on the Facebook or on the Instagram, and I'm so sorry, I can't remember your name, I did look for it before this episode, but I do have something else to do this evening, so um, I'm kind of trying to, I'm basically recording two podcasts in the same night, um, so yeah, so apologies, I can't remember your name, but you were asking if I would be doing an episode about the Lewis Chessmen, and hells to the yeah, I will be. Um, I actually prepared uh, part of an episode, um, part of a kind of my spiel that I would give as a tour guide about the Lewis Chessmen already. It's not enough for a 20 minute long episode. But again, I will maybe take Lewis and Harris and all of the things and kind of add them all up into one. So, of course, uh, as well, I did mention, of course, the the, the delayed ferry. So we had another wander back down into the town, went and got some lunch uh, at this uh, amazing little cafe that we found. Um, I wish I could remember the name of it. Um... Might come back to me, but yeah, we had uh, lunch in this beautiful little cafe. I had uh, some lentil soup and a sandwich, very, very nice. And then I headed over to the ferry terminal to get our ferry. Uh, as I say, delayed by the wind and the rain. We're talking about swells and we're talking about winds and, and oh my God, we were so I'm popping the uh, the old uh, seasickness tablets. I mean, in fairness, we were all popping the seasickness tablets. And without a doubt, it was the smoothest ferry crossing I have ever had in my entire life. Um, Completely sober, stayed awake for the entire thing. The sea was so smooth on the way back over. So Caledonian McBrain made the correct decision to sail at that time. Um, We had also, I mean, again in the morning, uh, sorry, we didn't just do Lose Castle, I'm just remembering, we went out to a memorial not far away, actually, from the ferry terminal, where again, the the wind and the the waves were just insane. Um, But we eventually get on the ferry at four o'clock and make our way back across to the mainland, arriving bang on 6.30. And from there... It was just from Ullapool via Inverness to drop off a couple of our Inverness colleagues, but then straight back to Edinburgh. Now, that is a long, long drive uh, to do in one day. So we arrived back in Edinburgh at approximately 11.30pm, and I was tucked up safely in bed by about 2am. So it was an, an absolutely incredible training trip. I just wanted to kind of share with you what I've been up to over the last week. And again, uh, apologise that I'm not getting these podcasts out as regularly. That is, of course, going to change. I'm currently getting my old laptop set up uh, so that I can record whilst I'm away um, and write episodes whilst I'm away and hopefully get back onto this because um, I'm going to have loads of time at night time if I'm away, say on the Isle of Skye, uh, you know, go out for my dinner, sit and do some research and, and write my new episode and get it out to you whilst I'm away kind of thing. So that I'm looking forward to that. So uh, there's kind of a period of transition at this moment in time, folks. So please do bear with me and I do apologise. But anyway, and if everyone tells me not to apologise, but I'm going to do it anyway. So anyway, that's the end of episode number 72, I think, of the 
Scottish History Podcast. Thanks again for listening. If you haven't already, go and follow me on the Facebook, the Twitter and the Instagram. It's all just Scott History Pod. Check out those photographs. And now you've kind of got a little insight as to what was going on at the time. Um, You know, uh, give us a little comment, give it a like, give it a share, all that sort of nonsense. Thank you again to all of the lovely people sending me emails and messages. I will get back to you. Um probably on probably this coming weekend um i'm away to sky on saturday so i won't be able to um post a new episode until i come back so that's either going to be tuesday or wednesday um so yeah once again folks thank you very much for listening take care of yourselves and i'll speak to you again next time <laughs>